In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Orange is lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's everybody i'm chad bokelman i'm mark marble and this is the lantern cast episode 417 Woo-hoo. uh what are we talking about tonight we have a few main topics we're going to be talking about we will be talking about the the new green lantern creative team that will be rolling out of future state uh not without controversy clearly and we will also be talking about Warner, Warner Brothers' decision to kick the, kick the the movie industry right in the nuts when they're barely hanging on to begin with. <laughs> but first, but first, Chad has some something a little more light and maybe more universally uh, not despised as some of the other topics we might be talking about. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, in terms because I haven't listened yet, so let's let's just I I was on Twitter the other day. And, uh, Mark, it sounds like you have something to talk about, because Gimme Those Star Wars Episode 38 posted a tweet that says it pays tribute to the late David Prowse with tributes from a bunch of people, uh, including LanternCast. So I can only assume that's you, man. Yes, that is a proper assumption. I, I, I didn't know when he was putting that episode together, Ryan. Uh, so, I, yeah, he messaged me. He messaged me last week for some stupid reason. I didn't get the message in uh, Facebook Messenger for maybe like six hours later. I didn't notice until I think to the evening. And because he he mentioned if asked if I'd be interested because they were putting together some you know brief you know tribute uh, thoughts and uh, memories of David Prowse, who of course played Darth Vader, uh, physically played Darth Vader. So ideally, the memories would be about. Something related to the physicality of Darth Vader, as opposed to, of course, James James Earl Jones doing the voice. And then I wasn't, yeah, it was a brief brief back and forth in, on the messenger about whether he, you know, how he preferred this to be done, whether he wanted it to just us to record together, or whether he whether just recording something in Audacity would be fine. And I think that's what he actually preferred at this point. And he mentioned that you know after, make it easier getting stuff together at the end of the year, and then once we roll into the new year, we'll. We can figure out a time to actually record something together. Uh, but yeah, so I did not know about the time frame for, for that being rolling out. I was going to mention it to you next time we recorded, but by luck of the draw, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I'll have to take a listen to that. Did you record like I don't know? I'm assuming it was a clip thing, or did you get on on mic with him? No, we just he we, I opted based on what he seemingly wanted. I just did an audacity clip. I did okay. like about. Gotcha. It's a little. It's. I'm not sure if how much I edited down. I tried not to ramble too much, but I know I got stuck using the same word as we all do at times. But I, I know I kept it under five minutes, so I'm not sure how like how long he plans on everybody's clips or whatever. I knew he wanted it. I think he wanted it. Worst case scenario, I think he wanted a ten, you know ten, a ten minute segment. That's probably if we had recorded together. And then afterwards, he said. You know, somewhere around five, and I said, "Well, I kind of have some 
basic an outline or ideas in my head, so I'll make sure I have them in front of me and keep it under five. And It was. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys, so that, uh, I believe I said 38, right? Let's see. Uh, That was, let me, yes, episode 38. So give me those Star Wars, episode 38. That is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Go check that out if you can. Um, Another thing, uh, just because I'm on Twitter for the next topic, I wanted to, this is just spur of the moment, I did want to bring this up. Back on January 10th, I posted an image. Uh, and this is an image, uh, kind of like a, uh, just a, a commemorative image, uh, for Green Lantern's 80th anniversary. Uh, and if you look at the album art for a lot of the Lantern cast episodes during the year of 2020, at least the ones prominently featuring Green Lantern, where we didn't talk about something non-Green Lantern, you'll see this little image has been added to, you know, each image, each uh, album art for each episode, uh, like a little tag. Uh, just as you know, this is an episode that came out during the 80th anniversary of Green Lantern. I posted that on January 10th. We're in December, guys. Uh, this is the end of the year for Green Lantern's 80th anniversary. Uh, if you can, I would encourage you uh, just, you know, because I did actually pay for a promotional run on that tweet. And let me look at it right now. Uh, that thing uh, got uh, and I'll get so I can view all engagements here. So let me see here. Um, after you promote a tweet, it'll give you, or even if you don't, it'll give you impressions. Impressions are the number of times people saw this tweet on Twitter. The number of times people saw this particular tweet, 40,385. The number of times people interacted with this tweet, as in clicked on it, uh, things like that, uh, in some way, uh, 1,044. Media engagements, number of clicks on your media counted across videos, vines, gifs, and images, 515. Um, and then so on and so forth, uh, just for some smaller numbers. Um, 54 retweets, 172 likes. It's, it's one of our biggest things, of course, mostly because I paid to promote it and I tried to get everybody to kind of retweet and spread the word. Uh, it's the final month of the, of, of the 80th anniversary. Uh, that tweet is pinned on our profile to the top of our feed. So if you're listening to this and you have a Twitter account, go retweet, go like that thing. Mostly retweet, get it out there, and see if we can get some more engagement for that. Just spread the word about Green Lantern and Alan Scott uh, in the year 2020. This is the last chance for us to do so. Um, you can only sort of pay for uh, promotions in in uh, in chunks. So like the $50 I spent on the original promotion, I can't do another 50 because as you as you go, the tweet engagement gets higher and higher. So you're paying for a bigger and bigger audience. And since you're paying for bigger and bigger, the price goes up. And I'm not spending $100 on a tweet. So, yeah, you you guys are lucky. Well, I don't want to say lucky because we're fans. And every now and then we should invest for our uh, fandom. But uh, I spent 50 bucks on that tweet. And, hey, man, I think, uh, think 40,000 engagements is pretty good. But let's see if we can get it further, just naturally. You've done good, Chad. You've done good. I tried. I tried. All right. So the reason I'm on Twitter, uh, there's a couple of things, uh, one of which is going to lead into one of our main topics. It's not our main topic for the night. Uh, but first and foremost, I wanted to talk about a couple of things I saw while flipping through previews. So let's just call this a Larflee's report. Um, in, in some way, shape or form. Uh, there were a bunch of things solicited Obviously, uh, one of the things solicited is that the 1990s event of Final Night is being put back in trade paperback form. Uh, Final Night, the trade paperback, uh, will be it's solicited for release 
on March 9th of next year, 2021. Uh, it is got a solicit price of $17 and it's got 176 pages, full color trade paperback, not hardcover. What's really cool about this is not only is Final Night being reprinted, which is the Final Night 1 through 4, this trade paperback also includes Parallax Emerald Night number 1 and Green Lantern 81, as well as something I've never been able to find in terms of back issue diving. The Final Night Preview, number one. Oh, the one, so, the one from Wizard? Yes. Nice. So um, the so the Final Night 1 through 4, in case you guys don't know, and, uh, and, and Mark agreed to this, so I'll just tell you guys, when this comes out, we'll rebroadcast uh, our podcast episode covering Final Night. Uh, but uh, Final Night, you know, the sun goes out, there's a sun eater, and they need, this is during the time that Kyle Rayner is the sole Green Lantern and uh, Hal is Parallax. And they have to sort of save the Earth. Uh, Parallax Emerald Knight follows Parallax's side of the story in a one-shot, and Green Lantern 81 is the funeral for Hal Jordan. Uh, and then of, uh, I've never read the Final Night preview, so I'm not sure precisely what's in there. But uh, this is really cool, because I don't believe any other collection of the Final Night included Green Lantern 81. I'm pretty sure they probably included Parallax Emerald Knight. I don't know. I wasn't around when those trade paperbacks were out, nor uh, in terms of reading comics at the time, nor uh, have I found any, you know, at conventions or anything like that. So I've never actually seen old trade paperbacks of it. Um, but at the very least, this has got to be the first time 80 Green Lantern 81 was collected with Final Night. So you're going to get the full event in this thing. Yeah, that might that might be worth that might actually be worth getting because of everything they. Everything that's thr- thrown in. I don't know if, if the Parallax one-shot was originally, was in the first collection of the final night. Because I think, I think I was work, I think I was working at Walden Books when that, uh, when that trade paperback came out. Um, or I w- it was somewhere around that time. Maybe my, I, I had, yeah, 90s, that would be 90, yeah. Somewhere around that time frame. I might have just left. So it's possible I, I could be confusing it with some, with another, trade but i wasn't sure if the parallax one shot but either way the fact that it has you know the greenland the funeral for hal jordan as well as the parallax one shot that alone besides the event would be, would be worth getting yeah 100 percent. i i i definitely think it's a, a great idea if you're a fan you should you should 100 percent get it now i mean especially a trade paperback makes it already cheaper so 17 bucks for this event is not a bad deal at all so I would definitely recommend grabbing that if you've never read Final Night. Uh, the other thing I would mention, I wanted to mention. Now this one is a bit more pricey. Uh, I've already pre-ordered it, but um, and prepaid for it. But um, they are soliciting that in April of uh, April 13th of next year, they are releasing a Who's Who Omnibus Volume One. So in uh, for you guys who don't know, maybe you're newer fans, maybe, you know, newer generation coming in. Hell, there's a lot of people who've never even read, read the Jeff Johns run, you know, who are just picking up maybe Morrison and coming into Green Lantern for the first time. You never know who's coming into Green Lantern and when. But after Crisis on Infinite Earths in the 80s, DC obviously had kind of reset their universe. So you got to know what are the origins of all these people? Is DC going to sit here and tell us, uh, give us like a mini series or a regular series for every single property that they own so that we can be caught up on 
who's who and what's going on in their continuity and what their backstories and origins are and how it's changed. No. So they published a series called Who's Who, which was basically a there's you get one page, sometimes a double page spread if it's a big team or things like that, with a really great artistic sort of. Uh, splash of the of the character and then you kind of get powers abilities backstory uh information in each issue this is obviously it's an omnibus it's a hardcover it's going to uh cost 150 dollars. but this collects who's who the definitive directory of the dc universe numbers 1 through 26 who's who update 87 numbers 1 through 5 Who's Who Update 88, number 1 through 4, plus material from these 1989 annuals. Action Comics Annual number uh, 2, Batman Annual 13, Blackhawk Annual 1, Detective Comics Annual 2, Doctor Fate Annual 1, Green Arrow Annual 2, Justice League Annual 3, Secret Origins Annual 3, Swamp Thing Annual 5, The Flash Annual 3, The New Teen Titans Annual 5, uh, The Question Annual 2, and Wonder Woman Annual Number 2. Uh, that is a lot of content. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, that's a whole shit ton of issues to put in there. Keep in mind, especially those last ones are probably just a page or two from each issue. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that the, I believe there's, I, I'm pretty sure I remember there being a Who's Who Legion series uh i'm kind of disappointed that's not in there obviously a lot of legionnaires are in who's who in general but i'm pretty sure there was one that was specific to legion for a little bit uh for at least a few issues so i'm sort of disappointed that's not in there but this is a pretty complete volume um i already have every issue of the who's who main series so some of you out there may be wondering why did i decide to drop 150 dollars on this I'll give you a very simple reason: comic conventions. What they're going, what what's cool about this, and what's cool about Who's Who is those little splash pages of of you know art of the character. It wasn't one person doing the art for an entire issue of Who's Who. They got sort of the pinnacle uh, char- people who you know are known for drawing some of these people to do said splashes. So Who's Who is not only a collection of a mass amount of characters in the DCU, but also a whole shit ton of artists in the DCU. Now, a lot of those artists have passed away, but, you know, you have people, you know, like, it it doesn't make sense if we don't have Jim Aparo do Phantom Stranger. It doesn't make sense if we don't have uh, Joe Kubert do Ragman, you know, and so on and so forth. It doesn't make sense if we don't have uh, Gil Kane do Green uh, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, like, and so on and so forth. So um, now, while a lot of those creators are, are 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 gone these days, a lot of them are still around. So not only can you get the artist to sign this, but what if you run into one of the creators of one of these characters? Go get somebody just you know sign sign the page of the character that they created. This could be just like this wonderful encapsulation of DC history in terms of character bios and uh, backstories and all this stuff from from a time you know post crisis or during crisis when this was coming out. But also, if you get this signed by just everybody you run into who had even anything to do with this. You're going to have it's it's almost going to be like a really cool ass signature book. That is true. I could see that. So that that's why I'm getting it. And, and you know, it's it's written and illustrated by various obviously. The covers by George Perez. I really hope that's a brand new image. Uh that'd be really freaking cool to see. Um but yeah, uh that's something that I recommend people get if you can afford it and if you like that 
idea I just gave. Um, I'll mention it very briefly. It's not Green Lantern related, but um, in terms of cool DC shit, when I saw the Who's Who thing solicited, there's a Black Canary trade paperback coming out. And uh, Ryan Daly uh, told me, because he's a big Black Canary fan, he used to run Flowers and Fishnets, the podcast, and all that stuff. This actually collects the same stuff that was in the Black Canary Archive Edition, but the Archive Editions are no longer in print, and when they were, they were $50 a piece. This is a trade paperback uh, for 30 bucks on sale in... Um, in March, on March 9th. Sorry, I accidentally touched my HomePod. Anyways, um... On your own time, Chad. On your own time. <laughs> can you still hear it? No, it stopped now. It's all right. I can always edit, I can always edit it out. Maybe this whole piece will be edited out. No, it's fine. Or not. Uh, it might It might make might be the most amusing part of this episode. <laughs> who knows? Uh, so it's, uh, Black Can- it's called Black Canary Bird of Prey, the trade paperback. Uh, 294 pages, full color. Uh, it collects uh, stories from Adventure Comics 399 and 418 through 419, The Brave and the Bold, uh, uh, 6162, Flash Comics 86 through 88, and 90 through 104, DC Special number 3, and Comics Cavalcade number 25. Um, so this is classic, good, wonderful uh, Black Canary. I'm kind of disappointed on this one that it doesn't include the Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff. But at the same time, the Black Canary was sort of, you know, here and gone kind of on certain issues. So in terms of collecting it, it may not make as the most sense. Uh, But this is supposed to be early Black Canary stuff. So but then again, this does say uh, now Black Canary stars in this title, collecting the best of her classic adventures from the Golden Age to the Bronze Age. And GLGA includes the Bronze Age. So, you know, whatever. Uh, disappointed, but, you know, it does make sense. Uh, Marvel's going to have a Firestar action figure. That's I did awesome. not, I, I did see that. Uh, yeah, Jim actually messaged me about that today, and I pre-ordered that on Entertainment Earth. Uh, in addition to that, while in previews, uh, the um, Marvel Comic Gallery Firestar PVC diorama figure was also solicited. So in roughly a couple of months' span of time, you're going to have a Firestar... Marvel Legends action figure, and then you're going to have uh, a Firestar PVC statue, and I'm going to have both. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's just sort of some of the stuff I wanted. I did actually, you know, on the way, before we started recording, I had to stop by my LCS, uh, but they weren't there until uh, when I right when I showed up, so uh, I just went ahead and went to grab dinner, and I stopped by the GameStop next door uh, because I haven't been able to find it in the wild at, like, um, at like a Walmart or anything, but I did find behind a bunch of figures on a peg at the very back, they had one DC Multiverse Dawnbreaker figure left. Have you seen the figure, man? I think I did see the figure. Man, the figure is, man, it's it's just wonderful. It's super detailed. Uh, I keep most of my stuff in the box uh, and just kind of put it up on a thumbtack or something by the peg uh, hook. This is a really wonderfully done, detailed figure uh, i really want the red death figure but it comes in a two-pack with flash and i don't really care about the having the flash figure so maybe i'll have be able to find it cheap uh out of box on ebay or something but if you guys haven't yet the i just sort of let you guys know as a reminder the dc multiverse uh figure uh, figure waves that todd mcfarland is doing uh the batman earth negative 32 
uh, figure is out, a.k.a. DC Metal Dawnbreaker. Uh, that figure is out. So be checking your local Targets, Walmarts, GameStops, places that stock the DC Multiverse figures, because it is out there, and it's available, and it's it's wonderfully detailed, uh, if you're into DC Metal, uh, or if you... If very least like the Dawnbreaker one shot. Uh, but on to the main topic. Uh, and before I do that, Mark, anything to say about uh, new figures, things you've seen solicited? Because, I mean, you know, uh, previews is out. Uh, uh, and there's one other thing we wanted to mention in terms of uh, Green Lantern that we'll go into. But Ah, uh, yes. Um uh, the Firestar thing was interesting. I didn't. I did notice that if I was, I don't know. I think if I was a tad younger, I, I, I do go back. I, it would mean more to me. I mean, I did watch Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, you know, when it was when it was first on. But and Firestar is kind of a cool, never really maximized from a usage perspective character. Um, she could have. They could have done more with her in the in in just the Marvel universe, even. Being, Agreed. Can you know, being born out of that show or whatever? It doesn't. I mean, she they they you know they could have she could have at least been a, had a big enough a big run or a big enough run compared to Dazzler probably. Uh, even though we know you know Dazzler was still a comic book creation, but still. So I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Uh, but there no there there I really haven't been buying that much lately from figures. I did I did buy the I did buy the. The McFarlane, the multiverse. I bought the multiverse bat, uh, Asriel Batman, not not Asriel as Asriel. You did, I, because I, I, last time we had spoken about, because I love Sean Gordon Murphy's artwork, uh, and obviously I was getting White Knight, so I got Joker, Batman, and Asriel. And last we talked about those figures, you were still sort of wishy washy on. I mean, if you I were gonna get the Asriel it was an or not. it was an impulse buy, and probably in retrospect, I shouldn't have gotten the Batman. One, but I should have just gotten Asriel as Asriel instead of Asriel as Batman. But I don't know. I, but it kind of reminds me of the, you know, the, obviously it reminds me of the Nightfall of uh, Batman. So that's I did like I did like the version, the blue version and the red version of the uh, Asriel in the Batman outfit, as opposed to just a regular a red Asriel outfit. So I think that's why I probably got it because it reminds me of it, you know, when he was Batman. But it, it's 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 a it's a it is a really cool figure. So yeah, um, it is. Especially, I mean, they went man those McFarland toys uh, for, the, for the DC multiverse stuff. There's so much detail, uh, especially on that Asriel figure. Did you take it out of the box at all? Yes, it's open. Yeah, the, the, even the sword with the flames just wrapped around it. It's just it's ridiculously cool. Um, and like the his little uh, I guess would you call them like fringes of the cape that make up the cape? Yeah, like the it's just it's super sick. If you guys aren't checking out the McFarlane, it's it's a the McFarlane DC multiverse stuff is very Batman heavy. Um, but uh, I mean, as, as much as I want other DC stuff because it is DC multiverse, um, you know, at the same time it's a publicly it's publicly available in places like Walmart and Target and GameStop, so you got to go with what sells. So Batman sales, I guess that's what they're going to go with. Um, but I, I really do wish they'd, I really do wish they'd, uh, you know, do like a full line of whatever makes money, and then have one figure every line or every other line that is just something like you know only the DC fans are going to be like, oh hell yeah, they finally made a figure of that. Um, but you know, we'll see. Um, 
So continuing on, the one other thing I wanted to mention uh, in terms of things were, that were solicited uh, is from Future State. And this is going to kick us over to our next topic here in just a second because Future State is involved in our next topic. Um, I was flipping through previews and I was all prepared to just pass on by the Future State section of what's known as DC Connect. Uh, I say DC Connect because that's the uh, that's the uh, the what what DC's quote unquote previews is called now. And because um, I knew I was going to get uh, what was it? It's called is is it Green Lanterns and something else? What were the names of the titles? There's two Green Lantern related titles, right? Uh, I think so. I actually don't even remember anymore. Obviously, the whole John Stewart thing for multiple reasons is the one take. Yeah, I I don't re- I don't really remember anymore about. Uh, but but I wanted to let y'all know. Regardless, uh, Philip K. Johnson and Scotty uh, are uh, Scotty uh, Godlesque are doing a a series called Superman House of L. And in this solicit, and I'm not going to read the entire solicit, but uh, there's one of the descendants of Jonathan Kent, son of Superman, is Rowan Kent. And Rowan is the new Superman of Earth, while his sister is a blue lantern that is in the solicit text. So if you were curious about lantern-related stuff during Super uh, during Future State and are only getting the two lantern-related titles, consider Superman House of L because it's going to be the first time we're seeing Blue Lanterns in a while. And I know Mark is excited for that. Yeah, I mean, I am interested in it. I mean, at first I didn't know why you were sending it to me, in all honesty, and then I started reading the description. It's like, oh, okay, that actually does make that makes sense. It would it would be nice to get something related to the Blue Lanterns because oh my God, we haven't seen Jack in. Related to Blue Lantern since since uh, the ill-fated attempt by Saint Kyle and Saint Walker to bring back the Blue Lanterns, which we know basically was because of uh, Doomsday Clock, why he couldn't do it and why he was no longer he couldn't become a stay a White Lantern, and then Saint Walker went off to try to restart. We assumed to restart the Blue Lantern Corps, but we could be dead waiting for the you know any resolution of that crap. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but. Regarding Future State, there's Future State, Green Lantern, and forgive me, I, I said two uh, Green Lantern-related uh, Future State. That's technically correct. We have Future State, Green Lantern, but there's also Future State Justice League, which That's has cool. yes, w- which has. Uh, uh, Joe Lantern Joe. That's right. That was that's right. That's why at least I wasn't crazy. Why I didn't pop into my head like oh yes yes it's like something about it didn't sound right. But 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 yet I I knew you weren't completely wrong and that's the reason why yeah because she's she's one of the new Justice League team with the with the mystery Batman who everybody seems to already know who he, who it is. Um. So uh, there are two issues of Future State uh, in terms of the Future State Green Lantern title. Uh, there are it's sort of like an anthology series. Uh, just and one of the stories in there is written by Jeffrey Thorne. Um, I because of some remarks and stuff he's made on Twitter and things like that. I'm assuming his part, uh, his part is the John Stewart part, and to read that part of the solicit only for Green Lantern Future State, assigned to map and contact new life forms past the 36 uh, uh, 3600 unknown sectors of space protected by the Green Lantern Corps. John Stewart and an elite team of lanterns are trapped behind enemy lines and fighting for their lives when the central power battery goes dark and leaves the entire core defense with defenseless. Uh, I'm under the impression jeffrey thorne is writing that particular portion of the green lantern future state the other day it was announced by dc that jeffrey thorne will be writing the green lantern title proper past future state so after the morrison sharp run is over 
Jeffrey Thorne is the new writer of Green Lantern. Now, why is this controversial in any way, shape, or form? It is controversial because uh, he has made comments online on his personal Twitter account saying outright, I hate Hal Jordan, and things to that effect. I can read a couple of them. I'm only going to read a couple of them. But he said things like, um, so someone would say, are you saying Jeff John's run on GL was an excess? I'm saying it was the result of personal fanboyism and comic book success. Uh, and comic book success never should ab- uh, obviate the greater reach slash success of the TV series. Uh, on uh, October 30th, 2019, I joke about hating Gambit because it's fun. I actually hate Hal Jordan. That Those comments, as well as several other Twitter uh, comments about it that people have found in his timeline, made the rounds, and it caused, obviously, some stir among Green Lantern fans. Uh, the idea being, DC Comics has now hired somebody who actively hates what is essentially the main Green Lantern to write the Green Lantern title. So people are upset about that. There was a lot of hatred and stuff online about it. A lot of personal stuff was said directly to him online about it. Um, we posted about it, or rather I posted about it on our Twitter account as well. Uh, more not from getting on his ass about it, but just sort of, um, first of all, it's Green Lantern news. It's worthy of discussion. Uh, and I don't think anybody would begrudge any Lantern fan of any ilk for being concerned with those remarks. Not necessarily, hey, fuck this guy, actively boycott his work, but yo, dude, you said some super questionable stuff about what is the Green Lantern right now, and uh, now you're going to write the book? I don't know how that's going to work, my dude. Um, So because of all this, he's had to respond. Uh, I'm going to read his comments uh, into response. I'm not going to read all of his Twitter thread stuff telling you all this stuff, but you get the idea uh, of his uh, prior comments about Green Lantern, but because of all this insanity, he's had to respond. So I'm going to read this. This is from Blog of Oa's post, uh, uh, and the title of Myron's post over there is Jeffrey Thorne to Take Over Green Lantern, posted on December 5th. Uh, he took to CBR's message boards to post this. Jeffrey Thorne did. This is rumor control. Here are the facts. There's a massive difference between speaking as a fan to other fans and working as a professional writer in a professional context. I do not take jobs to, quote, shit on fans. I do not have vendettas against fictional characters. I'm not allowed to say what the focus of the book will be for legal and ethical reasons, but I can assure you unequivocally when and if Hal appears, he will be the Hal Jordan that has been established and will behave the way DC Comics would like to be him to be portrayed. I do not diminish one character in order to elevate another, and in fact, if we're going through my tweets then, you'd find several saying how much I hate when that is done. It's an example of poor writing. When I'm a fan, I speak as a fan. When I sit down to write, that stops. I do not to... I do not subscribe to the tribalism and angry fist shaking that seems to be the rule with many current fans. Every Lantern has fans who think they should be the Lantern. Neither I nor DC Comics have any intention of shitting on them. I have between 30 and 50,000 comics dating back to the 1940s. I love comics. Love. I'm here to tell great stories, as is the rest of my team. We're excited as hell about what's coming. For a lot of you, I'm an unknown commodity, but being unknown, you shouldn't automatically expect trouble any more than you should automatically expect greatness. We have an epic yarn to tell with a lot of great things coming that haven't even been hinted at, much less announced. Uh, much less announced. Creators sign an indie. 
Creators sign NDAs, meaning we are actually not allowed to refute rumors and fear-mongering with specific facts. Meaning, until the books actually drop, people who don't know what they're talking about get to dominate the field. Here is a fact. Only about five people on this planet know what's coming, and none of them are in the fan press. None. That won't happen. Or, sorry, what won't happen? I will not debate story points here or anywhere else. I will not debate any aspect of past, current, or future GL stories here or anywhere else. I will not give spoilers here or anywhere else. I will never shit on the work of other creators who've driven the story of the Lanterns. Every one of them has done something amazing that is loved by some segment of the Lantern fandom. I will not in any way tarnish the legacy of the Green Lantern Corps because that is neither my job nor my intent. What will happen? I will tell the story I came to tell. Epic stories, amazing art, life and death, new faces, old faces, new species, old species, and I hope a lot of sci-fi fun anyone who thinks i have any intention of shitting on hal jordan can sit down and be still because that is a straight up lie end of his remarks so that is just in the interest of giving you guys the full picture his prior comments and his current comments to address his uh prior tweets in the past mark man uh we we you and i didn't interact about this until today in planning this episode so when you were told about it and, and directed to Myron's uh, post and all that stuff. What were what were your thoughts as you were hearing about all this? Well, ironically, I wasn't direct. I mean, I know what you meant. I I I read the I read the uh, I read the article on Cosmic Book News in which Myron is actually mentioned. We suck, but Myron's good. <laughs> So so then I went back and I said, well, let me go actually look at the blog of Owens because I'm sure Myron must have posted something. So that's why. So I, those were basically the two things. The two things that I read. I read the original article that I think Jim posted, uh, gave me the link to, and then I went and read Myron's thing. Um, I like 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 uh, Jeffrey mentioned kind of in in his article. I ne- I had never heard of this guy uh, one way or the other before this. And that announcement was not exactly, not surprisingly, considering where Green Lantern stands in the importance scale of to DC these days. It's not exactly like this was a big announcement that oh, every no one missed this. It's like I didn't even know they made this announcement until Jim mentioned it to me. Uh, but he, you know, he he says he says all the right things in that interview for the most part. To me, of course, reading between the lines, that that part about you know when and if Hal appears, you know, that to me just kind of confirms the idea that Hal Jordan's not. Good going to be the main focus of this book. I mean, it's going to be Jon Stewart. Uh, every, every reason to believe it's going to be Jon Stewart. And I know, again, that can, you can say it, he's just pursing his words based on what he told you further, you know, further down, saying, oh, you know, I have this NDA, I can't really, I can't talk, I can't give facts to refute rumors and everything else. But it's still an interesting choice of words. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't really have to even go there about when and if Hal appears. He just had to. He could have just made the statement that you know, I, you know, I will not shit on Hal Jordan. You know, and any story that any and every story I tell with Hal Jordan, I will, I will not be shitting on Hal Jordan. I will be telling it will be the Hal Jordan you know, you recognize everything else. But that's not the way he phrased it. So I think. I suspect that means that, yes, Jon Stewart is going to be the focal point of this book. We don't know when it's going to take place as far as in the timeline, which is also interesting because this book will be running at the same... As this book premieres, it's going to be right at the tail end of the Morrison run. 
so what 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 issue what are we up to in Morrison? Nine? The one that the one the last the last one that came out was nine, I think. Uh um, the one we didn't do yeah. yet, was that nine? Yeah, so yeah, we haven't done nine yet. Ten is coming soon. But is ten coming ten has to be this month though, right? Yes. Alright. So so I guess technically this will wrap while the Morrison book, assuming there's no skipping and there really hasn't been, that the Morrison Actually, book next week or no, this week. This December ninth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, yeah, just, I'll try to I'll try to get that. Not that I'm looking forward to it, but I'll try to get it just so I, I have it. If not, I'll get it next week. Uh, so basically, the, without any sk- any skip months, the Morrison book will end before the month the new monthly begins. But it will be running at the same time as the Future States the two issue thing runs. So it's going to be interesting to see where this fits into the timeline. I think it will be much more re- readily acceptable by people regardless of who the focus is. If it's either not 100% guaranteed to be in continuity or it's so far in the future that it may end up being in continuity or it may mean nothing. Uh, uh, so I personally I'm willing to give the guy a benefit, you know, the benefit of the doubt to see to see what he does. Uh, I don't. It certainly wasn't smart to crap on on how. If you, I mean, if John Stewart's the guy you like, that's great. But the I to to try to somehow justify, you know, the brief moment of time when the Justice League Unlimited cartoon was the in thing, and somehow that makes that takes precedent over all the time that how was Green Lantern and mostly and has mostly been considered the Green Lantern, certainly from the Silver Age going forward, you know. If you're going to think of one Green Lantern in the Silver Age, it was it was Hal. So to try to make it sound like oh John's in his because his premise seems to be that John Stewart always should be the Green Lantern, and and you also have to wonder about crapping you know crapping on Jeff Johns, not because you have to eat eat up everything Jeff Johns gave us because nobody nobody did, and we all have some issues with certain things Jeff Johns did, mm-hmm. but. But to question that Jeff Johns' run was a success and that it was, you know, from a popularity and popularity, financial sales, uh, Q factor, that that was not the golden age of Green Lantern. I mean, that, that, that's really, if at best it's revisionist history and worse. It's, now, it wouldn't be surprising for 2020 just seeing the, seeing, you know, the universe through your own colored glasses and ignoring all the facts of the contrary. I don't know. That gives that, in a way that gives me more pause than him just disliking disliking Hal or hating Hal. I personally don't really want to see a book about John Stewart. Is John Stewart would not be my choice of a, of one of our Green Lanterns leading a core book. And yes, if it's a core book, it's a little more acceptable because we kind of did get that with the Van Jensen book when he was doing core. That really was a John Stewart book, but but it wasn't just John Stewart. So if it's done in that kind of vein, it won't be as bad as opposed to doing like a Hal style book that we've gotten with it just being John replacing him. I would have more of an issue with that. I still would rather read, be more interested in a Kyle book, depending on who was writing it. Certainly if they were putting the band back together with Daryl and Ron, I'd be interested in it. I'd actually be more interested in a guy book, in all honesty, based on the guy that we've gotten over like the last 10 years than a John Stewart book. But he's still better than Simon Baz. Sorry, uh, sorry, Dan. But it's not exactly, you know, it's, it's not necessarily surprising that they're switching, especially with the Dio gone, because we all know, we kind of, re- realistically speaking, it was kind of hard to imagine Hal or Barry Allen or any of these guys being pushed to the background as long as the Dio was still, you know, kind of running the show. So in a way, I don't know if it's an, if it's a natural reaction to that. It's like, hey, now we have the opportunity to do different things because the guy who wouldn't let us <laughs> is gone. It's not what you know. It's not what I'd hoped for. As but we also again, we'll know once we know the context of when this book ex- exists, what time frame lies. It might be more interesting. I don't, I'm not a fan of the John Stewart look that we're seeing in these things either. It's but but we've got but we got a, we've had a Hal Jordan looking like Hal Jordan, and, and and the Morrison book has not exactly been easy reading. So maybe 
maybe we're going to get a book that's that's more enjoyable to read, even if even if it's about a character that I don't particularly have as much interest in. Time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, um, you know, uh, one of the tweets, and I'm not going to go find it, but one of his tweets, uh, a lot of them did, but one of them in particular, uh, really kind of emphasized his passion and, and drive and, and love of the character of Jon Stewart. So the fact that someone that passionate about the character of Jon Stewart is writing a series focused on Jon Stewart, we assume, um, we assume. Uh, have that information uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, I should. I, I have to keep that one in. That's too. That's too good. <laughs> whatever. Uh, I didn't even touch it. It must have thought I said, you know, the triggering words uh, in some way, shape, or form. But whatever. Um, so the fact that someone that passionate about the character of Hal Jordan is writing a series with said character um, as the focus can only mean that it's going to. It should be a good and enjoyable book. Um, so. On that front, we're good. Just the idea was concerning that someone who could possibly be writing the character of Hal Jordan would, uh, you know, so intently hate him. Uh, and that's why I kind of said what I said all over on Twitter and and. And even to the point where I think the tweet, let me find the tweet. But yeah, the tweet was, I said, the only thing these comments do is make me, ex oh, so here we go. Yeah, the only thing these comments do is make me excited for a Green Lantern John Stewart book by him. Someone who is passionate is always welcome on a book. But if Hal's involved at all, even tangentially, not good. Fans ask, why is Hal gone? And his response, oh, he got hit by a yellow dump truck. <laughs> and I put I put in the, the screenshot of Chip getting hit by a dump truck. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, that's what I meant. So in no way, and I, I posted about uh, the, like a long thread about this on Twitter today, in no way did I ever mean my comments to build on the hatred and uh, intense uh, pushback that he got that drove him to feel he even needed to make such comments over on the CBR message boards. Um, so, you know, I, I don't hate the man. I don't say screw him for not liking Hal Jordan. Uh, the idea that people don't like Hal Jordan is nothing new. And we're a Lantern fans who've been doing a Lantern podcast for a total uh, from from founders to us for 12 years. So not a single one of us ever involved with the show uh, is the idea that Hal Jordan sucks a new idea to hear from other fans. Um, so that doesn't really phase us. It's just the difference between just being a person who doesn't like Hal Jordan to being the person charged with writing the Green Lantern series. Um, but as Mark said, we're not the biggest fans of the Morrison run either. Um uh, so it's time for something else. Now, as far as John Stewart is concerned, I've liked John Stewart I, it, tangentially. I'll continue to say what I've said before, and this is your first episode or whatever for 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 whatever reason. And that is, I feel John Stewart is actually fairly two dimensional, which is kind of the argument that um, that uh, that Jeffrey uh, made concerning Hal. I get the complaints of Hal being a cardboard cutout, you know, kind of a one note guy uh, he definitely was in silver age and uh, during the 80s and things like that but um sometimes i feel john stewart is that because people define 10 uh writers tend to define john stewart uh by the his past uh or who he is in terms of the things that have happened to him as opposed to who the man himself is his personality examples when he was introduced 
angry black architect. Next thing, death of Kat Matui. Next thing, destruction of Zanshi and his guilt over that. And then we got Marine. Those were sort of, you want to talk about Jon Stewart? Those are, that's how you write him. You either write him as a pissed off African-American uh, architect who's active in the, the social community. You either write him as somebody who is pissed off and, uh, and, and upset and, and depressed and revengeful towards Star Sapphire over the death of Kat Matui. You either write him as a guilt-ridden person over his uh, ego in, involved in the destruction of the planet Zanshi, uh, and the deaths involved there, or you invite him, you write him as the military man, the stoic military uh, guy, which isn't to say that he didn't have some good stuff like in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and things like that, but it, those always seem to be like the key points. Uh, we're writing Jon Stewart, let's follow one of these. And then we don't really get a whole lot of his personality, his background, his family, his friends, how he relates to A, B, C, D character, how those u- relationships are each unique and, and so on and so forth. Now, that's not to say that that's never been done or that's never been done in any series. It's been done in most every series John's been written in, but it's been done to such a little extent that we've never really had a lot of focus on it. And I think Dan, at this point, Dan Kurtzke, would, if he were on the show, would jump in and say, what about Mosaic? That's really the only time we've had John front and center in comics doing his own thing and, and, and having his own series in the spotlight. Um, the only thing I would ask, because uh, you know I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn, so let me ask, Mark, did you ever read Dark Stars, the whole series? No, 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 no. Okay, me neither. I've never read the whole thing. So that would probably be the only other spot I would think that we would have uh, time for Jon Stewart uh, and focus on him and his, what his ideology and personality and things like that are. Um, the only problem there is I'm not even sure uh, DC Comics wants that in his background. Like, is, is that even part of his history anymore? So I, would I suppose ass- I would we, assume, we couldn't find out. Yeah, I would assume. It, I don't see any reason why, why it probably wouldn't be still part of his history. Um, but. but yeah, all of that, all of that to say, I believe it's okay as fans. And, you know, I'm only going to read one of the tweets in the thread that I posted today. Um, I think there's a discussion to be had in comics fandom about what is and isn't appropriate. This should consist of basic morality and human decency, but fandom needs to understand at least the basics of the industry that they love before reacting to things. Concern is fine. Bile and hatred is not fine. That's if I could sum up my ideas about everything that when I heard it didn't hit me right. Didn't like it. I was concerned, but I didn't take to the Internet and go fuck Jeffrey Thorne. I didn't tag the guy and go, what the hell, dude? I didn't tag DC Comics and say, you need to remove this guy. The tweet when I learned about everything verbatim is so DC Comics is putting someone on Green Lantern who actively hates a character they'll potentially be writing and then the sentence right after depending on who the POV is I can only hope his comments mean he'll be adding depth to the character during his tenure not that he's actively against him so even in the first reaction I had over on Twitter none of that was fuck this guy nobody read his book using our audience in any way to say other Lantern fans shouldn't read his book so I think that is uh, none of that to backpedal or anything. It's just I, I feel like I feel like there's a big difference between being just a, a fan concerned about this this stuff in general versus someone who's going to start tagging the guy and protesting the book and tagging DC Comics, trying to get the guy off the book 
or trying to spread the spread the word and 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 get things changed in some way, shape, or form, or whatever the case may be. You know, there, there's those are two very different things. And I would say if you don't like the book or don't like the idea, and if this really hits you the wrong way, don't read it. But you don't need to tell everybody you're not reading it actively. I guess, <laughs> unless you really feel compelled to. I'm not I mean, reading this book. I guess, but there's no reason. There's no reason to tag the guy. <laughs> Jeffrey Thorne, DC Comics, I am not reading your book. <laughs> Hashtag suck it. <laughs> you only need to look at, uh, well, I'm not going to get political. You only need to look at certain sections of Twitter to get all the hate you need in one day. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, I just, it, it, it's big news because we have a new creative team. And it's big news because there's now controversy surrounding the character. But we figured we needed to talk about it. Um the other thing we wanted to talk about tonight was the HBO Max thing. And just because I'm on Twitter, I'm seeing what's the the trending uh, topics over on Twitter right now in terms oh, of retweets and things like that. The legendary uh, thing? Is it the legendary no. aspect of it? No. no. Um, well, in addition to Rashida Jones apparently being announced as the new president of MSNBC. Um, Re- what? So- yeah, Rashida Jones will replace Phil Griffin as the next president of MSNBC, the Wall Street Journal reports. That makes a lot of sense. And I like Rashida Jones. I just don't know how, how the hell that makes any sense. But then again, if you, if you actually consider MSNBC a, a, some, a, a news channel, then I guess maybe it does make sense. Well, she's a, she's, she's a very prolific businesswoman. I've heard a couple of interviews with her. She's She's got a very diversified interest outside of her acting career. Uh, but anyways, uh, to your topic that you'll be we'll be talking about here, uh, trending in the United States, Nolan. Filmmaker Christopher Nolan calls HBO Max the worst streaming service and that their decision makes no economic sense after Warner Media announced that it would send 17 of its films directly to the streaming service in 2021. Thanks for stealing my thunder there, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading the headline over here. This is this is what's trending right now. Apparently, Nolan's out about it. And it says it says trending with Tenet. So I don't know how's it trending with Tenet. Just because that's his most recent big movie right now. I'm assuming Tenet's probably at some point is going to be rolling on to HBO Max at some point Ooh. in the near future. Uh, since it's a WB movie. Did did we before we completely segue out of this? Did we mention that Tom Rainey is going to be the artist? Because I don't know if we, we did. didn't. That yes. is exciting. Yes. Um, again, I don't have a huge background with him, so it, it's. But the 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 the, the one thing uh, the one thing is continuing the current trend, like in the Morrison book, that the the artist is probably going to be the least controversial part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, ba- kind of like balancing out the yin and yang. If you had Van Skyver drawing the book, <laughs> now you have the now you have now you're gonna you, now we've had a couple of writers that are that people are gonna be polarized by as opposed to. I uh, see. I'm looking at his. I'm looking at Tom Rainey's credits over on his bibliography over on uh, Wikipedia. I know I know Tom Rainey, but I'm not recognizing anything in here that I would have read. Yeah, the name. I, I had a similar reaction. The name sounded somewhat familiar, but when I when I looked for images and things like that, nothing really popped up. That or and but he's done so. But it's Marvel. Everything that pops up is like Marvel that I've saw that yeah, I like, saw, and and that's the only why thing I can I, think of. It would be his Thor run in the early two thousands, but I don't know. And since I haven't read any Marvel book on any kind of regular basis in eons, that that would make sense that it would mean. Then I don't know why the na- the name. Then I can only assume the name resonates because it must sound like something like somebody like somebody else, another name that I know. Then because I clearly didn't know him from unless I re- unless I was like a one shot or something that I. 
but it's not. I don't know. It's just that when I so when I saw the names, that that name at least I thought I knew compared to to uh, Jeffrey Thorne. Um, so yeah, so H so last last week, right? It was last week that HBO Max out of the blue, a uh, Warner Brothers announced out of the blue that every single one of their of their major releases in 2021 will be released, kind of following the Wonder Woman 1984 format, in which they're going to be released simultaneously on HBO Max. And in theaters, then, which is kind of like, thanks for nothing, probably like, I think it's like a 30-day window, they end up being on HBO Max and in theaters, and then it leaves HBO Max temporarily, and the theaters get it exclusively, which is is ridiculous, because everybody knows that within the, if theaters are going to make, for the most part, if theaters are going to make money off of movies, they make almost, you know, more than 50% of the money in in the first month that the movie is released. Now maybe right now the current business model, if, all, if if you can find theaters that are actually open, that it maybe is a, is the wild card to the fact that it may not matter as much because people are desperate. That it's almost like the old days. It's almost like going back to like the the seventies and the eighties when you could have a movie like Star Wars that can be playing at a, at a particular theater for like three months in a row because there's not that much being released and people really want to see it, so the theater will hold on to it. Now it's just that there's no new material to put out there. A consequence that so a movie that is playing could play for two, three months if, if you happen to have a, a theater that's open and people might still keep going to see it because there's literally nothing else to watch or if they really want to see it in the theater. But so that, in, so that includes, the, you know, The Matrix, that includes The Suicide Squad, that includes, for the moment, Godzilla vs. Kong. Now, the other thing that started coming out today, which people have been talking about, which is why I thought you might have been referring to that, is that besides the fact that when Warner Brothers made this announcement, they literally let, nobody knew this was coming. That this, that everybody got torpedoed on this. How appropriate on Pearl Harbor Day? Everybody got Pearl Harbor, uh, got you know, got sneak attacked by this when they made the when they made the announcement. Nobody, including some of their sub studios or, or partner studios like Legendary. Legendary supposedly did not know that that Warner Brothers had made that decision. So there's talk going around that le- that, that Legendary might actually sue Warner Brothers uh, to because of the fact or to do to do everything they could to basically try to force them not to do this, to not go with this route, go this route and and, and go with this decision. A lot of people. I'm assuming are, I'm assuming it would be breach of contract, right? I, I mean, I, if you're going to sue I somebody, yes. I mean, maybe maybe bad, you know improper business practices, maybe. Yeah, but it, it would. Ha- I would. I'm not entirely sure, but I didn't. I didn't. But I know there are a bunch of. There are even some videos starting to pop up about this today. I know, uh, like Grace Randolph. I, I that when I was searching before on YouTube, right before we started recording, I guess she has a video on her channel talking about about Legendary being upset about this. A lot of people are upset. Because the difference is, you know, when Universal kind of did something similar in the beginning, when they changed their model in the beginning of last last year, it seems like a century ago, the idea that they were shortening the window for how long a movie was going to, ha- you know, could be in the could be in the theater before before then it could also be streaming or on on demand. That everybody a lot of you know, AMC lost their shit over it, and eventually they came to they came to an agreement with a different cut a different cut of the money. I'm trying to remember if they ended up getting a bigger cut of the theatrical cut, or they were given a small or they were given a small piece. You know, of, of of the streaming cut, but obviously Warner Brothers, you know, for HBO Max, there there were no deals in place with any of these theaters, uh, any of these theater chains. They didn't know that they didn't know this was coming. 
there really is no incentive for for WB to make any of the deal with anybody because they all because these are all their movies, so they don't need they don't need to license their own movies to put them on on HBO Max. Any any of their new movies they can put on HBO Max. I don't think I think that's there may I mean, depending on the property, maybe there's some there's maybe there's a little bit of something they may have to deal with some residuals. It's not, but it's not. It's I, but I think it's very similar. If it's not absolutely the same as as Disney, Disney has the benefit of anything they want to. They can put on Disney Plus, and they're not going to. Obviously, you're, you're losing out on box office revenue, but you're also, but you also are going to gain subscribers, and you don't have to license any of your own movies. So as opposed to Netflix, which pays out billions and billions of dollars every year for for licensing agreements, which is why they've been switching so heavily into original programming, Disney Plus doesn't have to pay anything in licensing agreements because they own everything that's on their platform or they're making for their platform. So it's it's not good for a movie industry that's kind of hanging on by a thread. And I never, I mean, I honestly never really thought that you know the movie industry was really had a chance of completely changing the way of really imploding. I know a lot of people. Were I ca- but then again, a lot of people didn't think the COVID stuff was going to last nearly as long as as it has. But I still didn't. I didn't really think there was a chance that you know some of these chains would go belly up and the whole model could literally mm. blow up in our faces in the course of a calendar year. Well, but, yeah, in the course of a calendar year, it, but at the same, like man, we've got four K, we got eight K TVs now. There's bigger and bigger screens, streaming services everywhere that are capable of such things. Sound systems are more and more affordable. Like, the at-home experience is, in some ways, crisper, better sounding, better looking, even than the theater thing. So, I mean, I I get it, going out with the public, you know, the community aspect of it, uh, going out uh, for date night, getting, uh, you know, especially places like Alamo Drafthouse, which everybody knows I love like crazy. So, uh, you know, the the unique menus they have, the alcohol options and things like that. Um, You know, there's just the thrill of going opening night to see a movie at the theater. But, like, realistically speaking, technology has gotten to the point where we almost don't need them anymore but i i mean i agree with you in this in the span of a calendar year who'd have thought but like in in some ways if if the death of uh the theater industry was i it it was written on the wall like you know coming soon <laughs> well yeah i mean but the, but it's it's dying an unnatural death now it's it's it, it would you know what it would be like if we know newspapers. Newspapers are a dying industry. Uh, landlines, even though landlines are still more reliable than cell service a lot of the time, depending on where you are. Landlines, to a large extent, are dying, or a dying, or is a dying industry. Fax machines, pretty much, are close to being, a, you know, a dead industry. But those were things that were phased out over time because newer technology replaced them, and they ended up dying a slow, gradual death. If it would be like if newspapers were the thing today. If newspapers were the way everybody got their news last year, and then in one fell swoop, nobody was buying newspapers, so they weren't printing any newspapers anymore. It, it's it's an unnatural death being brought on, being bro- being spurred on potentially by COVID. And I understand, and, and you understand the theater. I mean, that excuse me, studios have to do something because they can't. Number one, they need revenue, but they just can't keep pushing things back indefinitely which is why a lot of people still think when disney has their little announcement of uh whatever whatever the hell they have this week that you may very well hear that uh black like black widow or something is going to is going to end up whether it's on uh, premium on demand or whether they're just putting you know whatever they're going to do that that 
it's going to be, that wouldn't be surprising if you find out that you know Black Widow is going to end up not being released at least because I mean we know uh, we know Marvel things are going to change because let's be honest as far as we know based on the release schedule the friggin' Eternals is still a February release right and we haven't even got the teaser trailer for it so we know that movie's not coming out we know that no I mean, let me Google that I'm going to see if, like, if there's any news on Eternals no go ahead keep talking no, I, I know I, I, but well, as far as I know when they when they did the revamp the last revamping of Marvel's release schedule. The Eternals were still in February. Black Widow was back to May, and then they moved Shang Chi to July. Those were, those were the three, and they just reshuffled them for this year. But I, so I still think on paper the Eternals is scheduled for fev- February. But we know there's no way that could come out because we haven't even gotten a teaser trailer for it. Unless we're going to be shocked and they're going to because we know the theater industry. We know the theaters are not going to be back to normal by February. Maybe by the middle well, of summer. Well, so I'm looking at well, wrong website. Not a good website. You're one guess what website I'm on when I say not a good website. Movie Web? Cosmic Book News. That's still better than Movie Web. Um, so, um, so basically, this is from five. This is this is February, an article February twelfth, twenty twenty one. No, no, this is this is an article from today. Uh, Eternals leak reveals the characters. Apparently, the Marvel Legends series action figures for the movie. The uh, photos of the figures have been released uh, or leaked. Um, and in their article, uh, they uh, Cosmic Book News says Eternals gets released November fifth, twenty twenty one. That is interesting. Well, they, they're here. Okay, n- maybe it was moved back to November now because it says November fifth, twenty twenty one. I'm looking at, but that's Wikipedia, which is not entirely. I'm seeing conflicting. I'm seeing conflicting. Okay, The Verge. Uh, the Verge uh, from September twenty third, twenty twenty. The Eternals, which was supposed to follow Black Widow, yes. is moving from no. February twelfth. 2021 to November, November 5th. 5th. Okay, so they did. So they did move it. Okay, so yeah. black. So that would actually make sense from the perspective that it would be weird to be announced if they are going to announce Black Widow. Well, Black Widow has been in the can for so long; it would make sense you'd you'd release Black Widow if you were going to put stream one of them. Black Widow would be the one you probably you might be want to do anyway, just because it's been the movie that's been gestating the longest. But that at least makes a little more sense because they so they do have a little bit of cushion if they wanted to wait for Black Widow if they wanted to make because they don't have to make that decision now. But the reality is, unfortunately, everything points to the fact that the movies, the movie industry, the theaters, if they're going to be back the way we un, we know them, they're not going to be back before the summer, before mid, you know, somewhere in midsummer. Then maybe things can start settling back into back into a. a some sense of normalcy. So because of that, it makes sense that, you know, these studios have to do something with their movies. They can't just keep sitting on them. They just can't keep... But it's... But it's but what's interesting about WB is again first of all as we all know the problem with HBO Max is they for for a platform that wants to seemingly wants to just draw people in left and right by throwing this on on the platform this on their platform they still can't get their heads out of the you know what and make a deal with Roku and Firestick to make this thing available to so many people there's so many people that this is not available to which is one of the reasons why that their you know that platform is not doing particularly well it's not available I mean I. Yeah, I'd like to see one. I'd like to see Wonder Woman 1984, but I don't have much of an option since my theaters are closed, and I and I can't and I don't have HBO Max because I can't get it. Uh, which I just canceled regular HBO because they hiked up my cable bill once again. It's like no, <laughs> it's like oh no, I, uh, yeah. So so I figure when the time comes that HBO Max is actually available on on a you know on a device I can watch, and I'm not talking about my computer because I'm not going to do that. That yeah. Then I will just sign up for HBO Max because that has everything HBO has. It's just the vice versa isn't isn't true. But it's it's like come on. I mean, if you want your platform to be big and compete with Netflix and, and to compete with Disney Plus and all these things, 
then how about making sure it's on it's on all the devices are the most two most popular streaming devices out there the Roku and the Fire Stick and you can't even get your app on these things and you think and your and your platform has been out for about six months now and you can't oh, over six months you can't have you don't even have that done I mean how about focusing on that first and then that might get people more excited about about getting you know, getting new subscribers because again if it's not available to a lot of people. You can have all, all the crap in the world on your platform or people can get it. What does it matter? But yeah, it could very it's 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 not what the movie industry needed, that's for sure. Uh and some people think maybe maybe they're maybe they're gonna make a deal. Maybe Warner Brothers will make a deal at some point with some of the studios to give them a like a share of the a share of the streaming or a bigger percent of the box office, but as of now, that's not the case. And they certainly didn't they didn't let anybody know this was coming, so they just dropped a big bomb on them and at a really bad you know at a really really interesting time, especially because they could have just announced the first six months worth of movies were going to be released this way and just kicked the can down the road. They announced every release. So that includes Dune, that includes the Matrix, you know, the Matrix Four, that includes everything that they're putting out this year. And it's like now they now they keep saying it's only for it's only going to be for this year. But if it turns out to be a successful model for them, then you know it's not going to just be a one-time thing, a one-year thing. Well, I don't have much to say about it other than commentary that well during what, our discussion of this, I just signed up for six months of HBO Max, which well, I was can. going to which I was going to do uh, anyways with my crisp part of my Christmas bonus, but I had forgotten that, that was part of my plans until this became part of our discussion. So I was going to do it anyways, but um, yeah, at some point there was like a year, an option to purchase a year. I couldn't find that anywhere, but when I went to the HBO Max site, uh, there was a promotion running for if you purchased six months. So I went with that instead. Yeah, limited time, save over twenty percent for six months when you prepay. Oh wait, hold on. I just I just saw I just saw an article about HBO Max and the Fire Stick. Let's see if this is accurate. Okay, let me let me read this. This is from CNET, so CNET's pretty re- reliable. HBO Max to stream on Amazon Fire TV. Fire Stick and Fire Tablet starting today, it says. But this is a while ago. Let's see if it's accurate. Um, so I am on HBOMax.com, and at the very bottom of the page where there's a Sign Up Now link, it says all of your favorite devices. And the very first thing on there is Amazon Fire TV. But it doesn't show at, but it, but it, let's see. Uh, but yeah, but this article I just found was actually written on on, on November sixteenth. But it's but Roku as as of then Roku Roku had not made the agreement. What I find fascinating about this is how come this wasn't a bigger bigger. Bi- you would think this would have been circling around the internet more than it was, considering it was such a big it was such a big deal that the so fire- so so at the bottom of the HBO Max main website still have questions we have answers one of the options which devices work with HBO Max the following devices are supported by HBO Max if a device is supported you'll find the HBO Max app in the App Store Amazon Fire tablets Amazon Fire TV Amazon Fire TV Stick Amazon Fire TV Cube and Amazon Fire TV Edition smart TVs. Well, that's good. And maybe, maybe when we get done, that'll be the first. That, that's what I'll go do. Now, following what the article I just read, supposedly HBO Max said on the Roku deal, we're gonna get, and this was on the fourth, December fourth, that we'll that we will get it done. So as of yeah, now, it is not is not listed. Right. As of now, half my rant seems to still be applicable. Roku has not officially made a deal with HBO Max yet, but it looks like they're going to, according to the HBO Max exec. The fact that they made the deal finally with Fire Stick probably guarantees they're gonna do it with Roku. So that, and and at least this makes more sense because with all the stuff. 
with all the stuff HBO Max was planning, obviously they probably were planning, WB was planning that announcement about all the stuff coming onto HBO Max, it would make sense that they would have to make these deals with these platforms or these devices because you know you're going to be losing out on a crap ton of potential subscribers if, you, if people on with Fire Sticks and Roku's could not watch, you know, get your channel. So that's that's good to know. So hey, breaking news for us, even though obviously it was out there, for, it was out there for a while. So, um, but then again, we haven't really talked about we haven't really talked about news in a while. So we're a little late to the game, but apparently, yeah. So now I can just now I can just sign up for HBO Max. So hey, at least me. If that's the case, at least we'll be able to do a Wonder Woman episode. <laughs> we gotta have that intro music um yeah man this this went actually a lot longer than we thought it would huh yes good that yes, we made it, it its own episode yes good that is a, that is indeed a a good thing um so yeah, next episode we want to tell them what we're talking about so they can go ahead and read yes the next what, what number is that number nine uh yes uh, well well uh, no yes yeah it's it's nine for both yes Far Sector. Uh, yeah. We will be doing Far Sector number nine, and then the game plan will be after that. It should be the Green Lantern number nine, and the game plan is for Jim, Chad, and I to do that one. Um, and then, and then maybe one last mystery episode for the year, depending on how things go. We're trying to get we're trying to get a lot of a lot of these a lot of these review episodes done in a relatively timely fashion. So we're, so we're not killing ourselves, i.e., me with editing. By the end of the month, so I burn, so I can burn out even more than I already am burned out on doing this show right now. <laughs> Hang on, let me check email real quick. Nope, he did not send us a voicemail. So. Oh yeah, that's funny. That's funny because I actually did. I did check the the the, the, the email before, but I, but I completely zoned out that I was actually looking for something in particular. I just realized I haven't checked this in a while. I and I do like to check it in case we get feedback while we you know before we record. So. It's all right. It'll be on. Uh, if, if if he gives it to us, then uh, can always throw it in the next episode. <laughs> Corwin is slipping, and he'll 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 hear this like three months from now. That's true. When he catches <laughs> when he catches up. <laughs> uh, nice. All right, man. Do we have anything else to talk about? Maybe I let me. Maybe I should go over to Twitter and no, search we don't. Green Lantern. No, 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 no. This we've already recorded for an hour twenty. I was kind of hoping this was going to be an hour long episode. Uh, uh, everybody's freaking out over on Twitter about Miss Marvel, anyways. What the show? Yeah, apparently they hired a sex offender and also someone who is non-Muslim. Oh, that! <laughs> and the and the and the sad part is 2020. So the fact that that person is it the same person or the two different people? I don't know. I quite honestly, uh, to you and to all the listeners out there, I have not read any of the details of why hashtag Fix Miss Marvel is twen- trending right now. But let's, but just to make a statement, if, let's for the sake of argument, just for the sake of argument, if I was the same person who happened to be a sex offender and they were non-Muslim, we all know in 2020 more people would be losing their shit that they hired a non-Muslim to buy a Muslim than they were that by hiring a sex offender. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, that's that's 2020, folks. Um, oh God. Uh, LanternCast.com, LanternCast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to track us down on those. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or send us a text, 708Lantern is the number, and let us know what you think. That's right. Next episode, Far Sector number nine, and um, yeah, go go to your local comic shop and pre-order that uh, trade paperback of Final Night. Indeed. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.